0: All right, buddies. Buddies. Let me get not tangled up in all your all your shit over here. That's yeah. the goal. Every day. Every day. It's a struggle with
1: cables. It is. Cables, laundry, all of it.
0: <laughs> every day? Every. How often do you guys do no, laundry? Not every day. <laughs> not every day. That
2: would be good. To say. <laughs>
0: First of all, let me compliment those those jeans. I also wanted to compliment the, the matching t- uh, Canadian Tuxie what oh, rocked thank up you, in thank today. You. But yes. really wanted to compliment that fucking sweet ass Super Bowl XX Chicago Bears champion jersey. That's right? OG. T-shirt, yeah, jersey t shirt jersey. it's not a jersey, it's a T, but that Jeez. thing is amazing.
1: Thank you. I have uh, another one like it that's a little smaller. I'm I'm like worried for the day when it finally just deteriorates into nothing. Exactly.
0: I've got I could I'll show you guys later. I have a shirt I got at um, the high school i ended up going to i went to their football camp in 6th grade and i still have the t-shirt from that and it's seriously i mean it's 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 being held together by threads at this point That's it's great. like just holes through over both nipples uh <laughs> both armpits fully wide open you know but it's it's my favorite shirt and i'm going to be sad when it eventually when it eventually dies i mean i don't have much else that i've had for longer than that yeah i used to know? have
3: tons of shirts like that and then just you know ended up giving them away or like losing them or whatever yeah. And it's a bummer when you think about it.
0: It's almost like you need to have
1: like a t-shirt retiring ceremony. Yeah. You know, like separate the sleeves from the body and, uh, <laughs> you know. Ooh. Bury yeah. it in three separate spots. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Buddies, we should
0: get together and quilt and make t-shirt quilts. <laughs> there we go. it. All of our favorite old tees. I, I do have... A uh, just a I've saved shirts that I have gotten too big for, obviously as I've gotten in, up in the ages. uh But I do still have a pile of them, including some old band tees. And it's just like, what am don't, I going to th- do with don't them? Throw them oh, out. I'm not going to yeah, throw them yeah. out, yeah. but I don't know what to do with them other than make a fucking t-shirt quilt. There you like, go. What are you Ooh. supposed to do? That's what I was just saying. Like that was what I was joking about. You will never grow out shit. of at all. But I also <laughs> never going to quilt.
3: Yeah, that's true. You'd have to
1: learn how to quilt. So what am You'd I going to do? Learn how to quilt, or like have a. Have a grandma or somebody that can
3: yeah. do it for
0: you. Just find hmm. an old lady on the street. I could put my grandma to work. That's a good idea. What else does she do? She's retired. My yeah. back hurts. She just sits around there. Yeah, whatever, lady. What's what's the? I was trying oh, to no, think of a My fingers yeah, are I already screwed. I already <laughs> screwed. Yeah. I thought you were going for that <laughs> for a little, uh, a little happy. What's well? That? Hey, buds. Ap- episode eighteen. <laughs> wow. Gearhunks podcast. Are we officially of Chicago, officially. Illinois. Illinois, United States, America?
1: Yeah, we're old enough to buy. What are we old enough to buy, buy vape? equipment yeah i think 18. i hope not Eight? no
3: 18 to smoke cigarettes
1: i think i, I thought oh. they
0: changed it to 21 well yeah, now everybody's like know. in the hospital for that stuff so, yeah. so the vaping yeah. yeah you got you want it i've got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I've, been, I've been i've been given i've been given one of my buddies who who i mean i i, I do vape not like not like jewel i'm not like fucking yeah uh i was gonna say billy zane but he's not the jewel guy i don't know anyway something like oh that.
3: um <laughs> steven dorf steven dorf yeah. thank you so blade. much for pulling that fucking blade bro
0: i'm not steven dorf over here uh i wish i was um but anyways hey Hey. episode 18 super excited we've got one of our good buddies named brian caviton in the house what's 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 going on good to be here hell yeah it's a beautiful day outside yeah it's a beautiful day the bears are playing the packers tonight and we're fucking meatballs yes yes so pretty exciting there and uh You know, we've got some different structure. We do things a couple different ways, but I don't really give a shit because I want to talk about the first thing I want to talk about while we're sitting here is the thing we were just playing with that you brought over here. Yes, Uh, yeah, I just recently got myself an Empress Zoya.
1: Oh god, super cool. Which has been been fun. Um, I feel like, in a way, it. I was when I first got it, I was like, "Am I going to just have to get rid of all my guitar pedals now?" Um, But I don't think so. I think it's just kind of like a... It's a nice addition, I think, to everything else. So when did you get it? uh, I got it probably a month ago, maybe. So I've had a little bit of time with it. It's funny because I've been... As I I was mentioning earlier, I've kind of been getting into the modular synth game and just the whole concept of kind of like separating out every aspect of like effects and synths and what makes up all that stuff from like a... you know like a dna level and when i and i was kind of thinking to myself like you know the one of the cool things that i felt like i was missing with guitar pedals was like the ability to kind of like modulate things with other things Mm -hmm. and just make really strange noises you know i don't know i one one of the goals i feel like i've been always kind of trying to pursue is like making my guitar sound less like a guitar hell yeah buddy and so the um, ultimate quest man. yeah so then i saw that this pedal came out and i was like i could build any type of effect imaginable with this thing um and and, and
0: you some of the stuff you were playing where i guess i was playing while you were tweaking yeah um was amazing and and unlike anything i've ever been able to coax from five pedals in a row let alone one box sitting right there so it's basically like a modular patch setup that you and and you you create the in you create the out and you put whatever you want in between whatever whatever your mind can can come up with
1: and it's pretty wild too because it does it does midi i mean it's got a a built-in sequencer so i mean um you know you could essentially program in like eight different values send those values out to you know any component of an effect, be it like the mod depth or, you know, um, the delays on a, um, on a delay, you know, and, and determine like, you know, you could run, run the sequencer and have that just like change over time and do a lot of different weird things that, um, I feel like, you'd you know with any other guitar pedal you'd kind of be limited to what was built into it and Man. so yeah it's it's fun I've I've hardly scratched the surface I feel like but I'm already I'm already getting into it it's yeah fun. dude
0: it's super cool thank and thanks for bringing it over because yeah. I I mean I'm a huge fa- fan of everything Empress pretty much has ever done but I have not gotten my, my filthy paws on one of those yet so yeah. I'm pretty excited to spend a little more time with it too is it you know it like I've had a few different effects like that in the past, or I guess I shouldn't say, it. I've had a, f- a few different effects in the past where uh, you basically had to write around them. Mm-hmm. And and it seems like there's this is the sort of thing where that could maybe happen, where like you kind of have to write something to take advantage of all the depth of possibility it has. But also, sure. even just that one fuzz sound you made was so badass that, I mean, I could just rip any riff on that thing. So it's it, it, the thing that I guess I'm getting at is it, it's so it's so versatile it's it isn't just a one trick pony that like a a sample and hold pedal or something like that where you have to write a riff around it you that will happen with this pedal but also it could just be a meat and potatoes super gnarly fuzz that you you know and because it has presets and i don't don't, i'm guessing lots of patches yeah it's got Uh,
1: like 64 or something storage slots for patches and things and the coolest part i mean it's essentially like a computer so it's they're kind of always updating it there's like a community of people that suggest different features for it um you know firmware upgrades it's like my favorite part about <laughs> that's a fun <laughs> about part. gear oh yeah <laughs> gotta have that micro usb port yeah, that's right so uh so yeah it's it's really flexible um i initially kind of bought it as like a sort of like a you know so my the band I'm in, we've been writing our new our new record, and, and that band
0: is called. That band is called Sun Jacket. All right, well, we're, we're already jumping around, so <laughs> I, was right gonna, I was gonna get to I was gonna I was gonna call that out during our band buds segment, but uh you know fuck it, let's, let's just do it right now. Band about buds, about Sun Jacket. Band buds, love love Sun Jacket. Yeah, I I, I purchased your vinyl record. I think I told you that. Yeah, at the uh, record store at the, I think. at Reckless. Yeah, yeah nice. So, um, love it. Sounds amazing. Uh, tell us tell us more. What's going on with you guys?
1: Yeah, so um. We've been working on our new record. Uh, we put out a record in 2016, so it's been a little bit mm-hmm. since then. Um, we spent some time kind of playing some shows around, around that record, and yeah, then we, uh, for about the past year and a half, have kind of been in the writing cave, like trying to kind of finish up our writing, finish up pre-production. Uh, we recorded we did major tracking in June for the new record um, where'd you do that and we did it down at this little studio in Tolono Illinois which oh, is just south of Champaign. you told me about this place yeah. where you go and yep. you
0: basically just you live just there like for live a bit. there yeah we, we did
1: 14 days down there we love that place um, uh, shout out to uh, Matt Talbot of Hum who owns the studio um, damn Sweet. Yeah. So we. Uh, I was trying
0: to th- come up with a good a quote from from stars, but I, I'm, bl- I'm blanking <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. So we 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 go down there. We're down there for 14 days, pretty much pulling like 14 hour days. Just like you know, up at we're in the studio by 10. We're shutting off the lights at 1 a.m. And uh, we got major tracking done, and now we're just kind of doing like additional layering sort of stuff and you know who, who knows how long we'll be in that phase but yeah. the
3: goal is to have something out first half of as far next as year oh wow as far as your writing process do you guys get everything down like do demos and all that before you go down there or do you kind of write some of it there or how does that work
1: we like to um because there's a lot of deliberation that happens and i think we realized that we would just waste all of our money if we went down there with no plan so (laughs) yeah we spend a lot of time in the pre-production phase and everything and kind of like writing songs and actually we left a little bit more to chance this time than I feel like any of us were truly comfortable with but we kind (laughs) of just like booked the date and we're like all right guys we (laughs) gotta do this jumped over the fence man yeah yeah. right and so we went down there we tried to have Tried to have some fun. I mean, we had a lot of fun, but there was always, you know, some stressful moments. And when you guys we have like, been well, together longer now,
3: so yeah, you know, the chemistry is probably greater. And, yeah, you know that. Kind
1: Sometimes
0: of we, you just gotta put yourself up against the wall. Up against the wall. It's Still in my head. <laughs> okay. Still. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, people that had to experience. I know what that. you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Wait. So, how long have you guys been a band?
1: Uh, we've kind of been. It's funny. We we really started like. Right. We've been officially a band since 2013, um, but that was before we had any music. And then before we actually released our first LP, we were a band for two years before that happened. So, I mean, really, like, in a way, we were kind of born after we released our first LP, which was in 2016. Um, but well, we, I, mean, I
0: remember you played the last Volcanoes show. Mm-hmm. You guys played with us at Metro. Yes. And that would have been... 2013 or 14. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we were a five piece then that was like before we kind of buckled down and um started recording our LP. Mm -hmm. So we had put out some some demos and stuff just to kind of put some music out there help us get some shows and uh yeah so those were kind of like the early days and it's funny because even like two years before that we had kind of started writing and exploring like what would eventually become the band. So in a way like carl and garrett and i have all been sort of at this since like 2011 which is kind of crazy yeah but yeah but still we're you know relatively new (laughs) in a way but yeah i don't know i feel like once you get a second album under your belt things are starting to solidify yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: all right i want to come i do want to come back to the band i want to talk more about the recording process and how you approach it from a gear hunk standpoint absolutely before we do before we do that and get too far off base, let's uh let's dive into the first our typical first uh segment of the show, which is the Ministry of Corrections. One thing you may ha- may or may not know is that um we refuse to have like the internet out and look stuff up while we're doing this. <clears throat> so that just of course leads to us thinking we're right a lot and saying a lot of wrong things. A lot of, of, of science, yeah. Right. I will say there actually isn't that Alternative much of the ministry this time. Yeah, sure. Whatever Trumpism <laughs> you need to use. Uh we, uh, we, this was, this was a running for two weeks now. Uh, we couldn't, we didn't know how old Jeff Tweedy was and then, and then we forgot to look it up and then we guessed and you guessed 52 yeah and he's fucking 52. Dude, wow. Wow. That was a, that was, you nailed Good it. how do I win, man? Uh, this is awesome. My adoration. Awesome. I'll and a you. shout out on gearhunks <laughs> podcast, which you can sc- subscribe to on gearhunks.com. It, it is
3: funny. We were too lazy to literally, it would take three seconds to Google it, yeah. but we didn't do it. Nope. No, I appreciate that.
0: But, you know, if for the people that listen every week, which there are, I guess, probably at least a handful of you, now you know. Jeff Tweez 52, although I'm sure you all looked it up just like any non-idiot would have done at this <laughs> yeah. point. We've been getting a lot, we have been getting a lot of new uh, listeners lately, which is cool. And they're starting to reach out to us on the Instagrams and stuff and ask the questions and comment things, which is super awesome. Uh, IG listener Gunner Morrow, I believe. I don't know how you pronounce it was writing was writing some stuff to us recently
3: yeah thanks thanks for listening um do you he asked me a quick question the other day yeah he
0: well so one of the ones that he asked me was about the same thing um i, I guess we can decide what we want to talk about so yeah let's just talk about the late 70s uh, hardtail strat.
3: yeah uh, basically uh he just you know he, he messaged me and said um you know he's looking at a late 70s um sunburst hardtail with uh maple, a 77 77 with a maple neck uh Mint condition, like case, tags, all that good stuff. Um, he was just asking me what's the difference between a hardtail and uh, the tremolo version. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the tremolo has a tremolo in it, so it's a little springier sounding. And can we
0: can we take a little quick pause here? Calling that that piece of machinery a tremolo is my biggest gear pet peeve really in the world why is that because it is not tremolo yeah
1: it's actually not tremolo it's vibrato it's vibrato oh. and and yeah. leo
0: fender fucked that up hardcore 60 years ago and we still say it wrong to so, the day but
3: they market it as a tremolo
0: incorrectly Right, yeah, yeah. I, like a Bigsby. That's a Bigsby vibrato. Yeah, right. right. That's what it's. Wow. Okay. It's true. So let me just put my vibrato is pitch. Put my foot down. Vibrato is tremolo modulation is, and pitch. Tremolo uh, is amplitude. Volu- yeah, volume.
3: Well, that. Well, that's a big difference.
0: That's then. a huge difference. The difference yeah.
3: between that and the tremolo one is there's really not a tremolo one. So there. You there go.
0: is no there. I mean, you've got tremolo pedals. With, uh, the the custom gear hunk patch had two tremolos going. Yeah, on. Yeah, sure it. did. Yep. As it should. You can never have enough. Tremolo and probably some vibrato somewhere because there's a lot of weird pitch stuff happening. Oh yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, sorry. Okay, sorry. I th- this is this is one. Uh, can I just, the other one it
3: comes down to semantics. Guys. I, I don't appreciate think that's semantics. that semantics. That, that is just
0: that is just that is just fucking false. Fair. The other thing that drives me crazy is when people call the the jack on a guitar an input. input. <laughs> I hate that.
1: It's true. It's, it's technically not. an output. It's yeah. the yeah.
0: opposite. That's semantics. <laughs> anyways, okay. Let's talk about. <laughs> this All right. Hard let's tip. let's help Gunnar It again. doesn't have a fucking vibrato.
3: Vibrato. In it. Okay. There it is um, so yeah, and you know better sustain and what I mean Henry you probably know a little bit more
0: I've had I've had two heart late 70s hardtail strats, which I didn't realize until you we were even talking about this I prefer them personally although in general. I don't like the three-bolt fender stuff um, you know, that's just personal preference sure. and and I think like Vintage guitar nerd preference generally speaking um, but I, I I honestly, I don't know that they have more sustain. I they do sound a little different. The thing is, like a trem or see, I just did it. You did it of vibrato, man. but they call it a trem block. People often block those things off, yep. and then you've got all this mass in there, and usually made of metal that wasn't there with a hardtail. Right. So it's even possible that those have more sustain. I think the way you were saying, and I would have to agree, is that maybe it sounds a little, a little less springy which is such a fucking lame way to get out right. of it because but, it I doesn't mean, have springs.
3: That's the di- I mean, that's the, the physical that's difference, the difference
0: I've noticed. I don't know. I would say, I mean, what was the price that you were talking about? He, for that well, thing?
3: I won't, you know, I'm not going to like blow up a spot, yeah. but it was like in the early 2000s range. So, yeah. you know, personally, I think that's, you know, I guess if you want to mint one, you know, if, if you want to mint one and you want it fast, you know, you could spend that. But, uh you know, I had a hardtail 78 that I bought for like 1050 off reverb it wasn't mint by mm-hmm. any means um but it was all original and, well,
0: and something like that honestly i would prefer not mint because yeah then you can play it and not worry about devaluing Dude, it
3: it was actually had some really nice wear on it it was cool natural finish um brought it to practice one night had charlie play through it it sounded freaking amazing char dog what's up um anyways ended up selling it and i really only made like maybe a couple hundred bucks on yeah. it. so you know, realistically, I'd probably try to stay under the 1500 range, you know, if you're trying to buy a late 70s Strat. Brian, do you have any experience with Strats?
1: I have actually never owned a Fender guitar. But you made, play a Fender style guitar. I play a
0: Fender style guitar. Made by Leo Fender. Yeah. The g
1: and Right. Yeah. I play a GNL and ASAT. Um think it's a special yep yeah uh that's kind of the uh henry the... knows my guitar oh, know. better I than i that do that,
3: that's like the telecaster style model? yeah tele style it's semi hollow body, right?
1: body uh with a bound body cool. and it's uh it's got a bigsby vibrato ah, <laughs> i Z almost
2: said it <laughs> I, I, felt I felt i felt the tea yeah. come out of my mouth <laughs> take safe. it back take it yeah. back take it yeah.
0: back edit it out oh man it's, I, I would say that I would probably avoid spending that much on that particular guitar, unless you have some sort of, I don't know, sentimental reason for wanting that particular year. If it was me or, or us, I think we're kind of in agreement that we would look for a little bit more of a player in the lower to under 1500 range, perhaps. It's our style, um, too. I mean, yeah. If, it's if our style, want... because I like something that I can play, in, and if I got a mint... 70s strat with the case and all the case candy i'd probably want to maintain that and leave it in the case and that's just that's just not my style that's right
3: man that's right
0: cool he did ask some other questions and stuff too but i feel like who knows if we're gonna how many more we're gonna be getting before the next one so we can just save them and and answer them next time but thanks again for asking we love that kind of shit we love talking about uh random guitars and stuff so uh, that's pretty cool one other thing i wanted to call out quickly um we were both invited i think i sent you the thing on facebook uh cme chicago music exchange is hosting we were talking about it with shelby on his episode the harmony uh, dudes coming into the mm-hmm. store and that will be september 11th which okay. is a strange date to ever have to say wednesday. uh yeah. which is wednesday so if you're in the chicago area and want to get a quick uh live demo of those harmonies and play them and maybe meet the folks from that cool ass brand that's very cool uh come on in i think you know i think we're gonna have to make an appearance ourselves maybe you'll get to meet the gear hunks if you you show up
1: (laughs) that's right live and
0: in person live and in person uh it's at this point that i would like to get to perhaps i don't know if it's my favorite but it's top two segments of the show dave's docs Oh, Dave well, what Stokes. do you got for us, bud? You uh, were so surprised. You didn't know that where I was going. You are like, I think,
3: oh! <laughs> I think you said the exact same thing last week too. You are like, one of my favorite segments of the show. It's a uh, surprise every it episode. Is. I it do is. like hearing.
0: I do like hearing you talk about these. I like getting into it. So thanks, I, well, man. I'm, I'm into um,
3: it. Well, we're probably all. I would assume fans of Pink Floyd here.
0: That's uh, a bold assumption for I think some people really. Like, cause, well, they're a pretty polarizing band. I think a lot of people hate Pink Floyd. I what I, I do love Pink Floyd a lot, but like, I I do think I think wow. they're an easy to hate band. Okay. M- more so about the, I guess their image and brand than the actual music. Like if you never listened to it and you're just like, yeah, Pink Floyd, Floyd, bro, Prism, Dark Side, right. Like I, I would probably be like, fuck that shit. You know? Yeah. But anyways, Dark Side is a great record. Dark but, Side is an amazing record. Um, I, oh, yeah. I,
3: I I don't know. It was a quick Amazon doc I watched this morning called um, "What Happened to Pink Floyd," what, <laughs> which is whatever. Kind of whatever. Strange. Yeah, to Pink kind Floyd. of a strange question. Um, but it really just chronicles like you know basically after Animals. And kind of during Animals, they were really kind of starting to be like, we're not really feeling this anymore. I think uh, Waters was taking a lot of the mo- like the big lion's share of all the money that they were making. Ooh. Uh, which was interesting. Fucking bass
0: players, man, you know.
3: I know, right? And, um, you know, I don't know. It wasn't the greatest doc I've seen. It wasn't super interesting. If anyone has like a better Floyd doc out there, I'd I'd like to hear it. But maybe it's not my thing because it it's kind of the later you know, with like Division Bell they get into and obviously oh, yeah. The Wall. I, I don't give a shit about Division Bell. Yeah. The Wall was interesting. Um, like kind of the making of that and how they talked about that. You know, they sent like Nick Mason over to like a disco so he could like hear disco music. And that's kind of where he came up with like some of the beats ding-a-dick, that are on there. Ding-a-dick, yeah.
0: Ding-a-dick, ding-a-dick. Um, that was one of the guitars they sold uh, at the recent auction. That's right. Um, Crazy. So you, So you're, So it sounds like. It was okay. So you're not really giving it much of a recommendation here. No, it's why not. are we talking about it?
3: Because it's Dave's Dave Stocks. So whatever hey, you want to talk they about. They can't all be winners. Oh, you fair know? enough, man. Um, all right.
0: I mean, I, See, I, I guess, feel like I've been cherry picking the good ones, but the, if we want to maybe start bang, slagging on some stuff, I'm fine with that. No, I no, I shit. think
3: I think it's t- it's good to be honest. You know, Hell yeah. um, so it was pretty good. If you like the later stuff, if you like kind of um, you know, if you, I guess I would say like maybe don't care for David Gilmore as much, it'd be a good one to watch. It's a lot of Roger Waters um, focus. They actually go to credit. Waters as kind of being like the brains of the operation, they kind of made uh, insinuations that Gilmore really wasn't like a creative genius, and that, you know, without being in Pink Floyd or any other project that he was in, he was always working with somebody who was pushing him further than kind of what he could bring out, and they said he really didn't bring out his creativity until after, you know, after Waters left Pink Hmm. Floyd, so... Um, it's kind of gets into that stuff. It, it's not like shitting on Gilmore whatsoever. I was going to
0: say, I just felt myself getting a little defensive of, of David Gilmore. Fair for, enough. Like for David Gilmore. And yep. I'm like, I don't know the guy. Yeah, I don't like, know the the, guy. What the fuck do but I care? But
3: I kind of see that. I've, I've, you know, we've all been in bands where, you know, one person kind of pushes harder than everybody yeah. else. And I think that was just the situation there, you know. So um, anyways, it was, it was pretty good. I got through it. But, uh, you know, maybe next week we'll have something a little more inspired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do have a deep list because I, I remember at one point we just yeah. talked through like, 50 of them. I got to go back, yeah. Uh, it's in it's in the, it's in the, yeah. the doc here. I have like to rewatch a few of them. I times. know, exactly. Uh, well, sweet, man. All right. Sweet. Hey, have, you ever, have you ever seen any uh, Pink Floyd docs? No Pink have Floyd live? Have you ever watched Live I've at Pompeii? I've seen Live at
1: Pompeii. Yes. That's the best one. Uh, I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen The Wall yeah. music box. Uh, that oh, that's
0: cool. Yeah. I've got to be honest. I've never really liked the movie The Wall that much.
1: I honestly don't remember what I thought about it. Yeah. And I don't remember much from it i um, i
0: think i would like it in a in a music box theater situation yeah. but i remember just watching it as a kid and it was like two vhs tapes and i'm like i don't get this i don't, yeah. I don't do drugs i don't
1: think it would be good as a kid because yeah. there's just you know some some things that would probably be a little bit difficult to wrap your head around yeah
3: <laughs> it's it's visually it's got that like you know uh late 70s early 80s kind of animation feel yeah, to yeah it. exactly. it's really you know kind of choppy and like kind of like I don't know. It's it's very abstract. I was going to say, do you know where the idea from the name the wall kind of came from?
0: The um, Berlin Wall?
3: No, actually not at all. They were um they were on their last tour for the Animals tour and that's when they first started playing stadiums. So they played like Soldier Field and a bunch of other stadiums. Oh yeah, right. And they were really just Shout doing out theaters. To the bears. Yeah. Stop <laughs> the right. bears. Stop bears. Stop bears. Stop <laughs> bears, bears, bears. Um but anyways, they uh he somebody s- <laughs> So punk was kind of coming in and people started hating Pink Floyd and people mm-hmm. would go to their shows to like shit on them or s- literally spit on them. And somebody spit on uh, Roger Waters. Wow. And he was like, they should just have a wall between me and the crowd. And so he, basically he was talking to, you know, their managers and stuff about that concept. And they're like, it's brilliant. You got to make it an album. You know, you got to come up hmm. with it. And that's really when he was like, I'm making this album. The rest of the band's like, I don't yeah, know.
0: He, he wrote almost all of it. Right. Yeah.
3: And that's kind of when that really started happening and everything. So good stuff.
0: Pink Floyd Talks. Pink Floyd. Nice. My turn, <clears throat> my addition of the Riff Library this week, another one of my favorite segments, because I, it's mine, um, Here, There, and Everywhere by Jeff Emmerich. I think it's actually Here, There, and Everywhere, My Life Recording the Beatles. I think that's the full title. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say not only just one of my favorite books i've ever read one of the best music books i've ever read for sure it's it's the perfect gearhunk's book and i and i'm actually surprised that i have taken this long to get to it because a he talks about intimate Recording details of recording the fucking beatles right and I think his first record was rubber soul or maybe revolver I it, again, I, I thought of it when you were saying I have to rewatch I might have to reread some of these books because I did read this one a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, But I mean it's it's everything from when he was a teenager starting to working on like basically growing up with the beatles Some of it is like real technical. This is stuff about the console. We use this These are details with the tracking and who wrote stuff But then some of it's just like really cool Beatles 60s type facts I can't recommend this book, book enough. Even if you don't like reading books, get get it on Audible or something like that and listen to it. You will enjoy it if you like The Beatles or The History of Rock and Roll or especially gear hunks type technical stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, dude.
3: Like how technical do they get in it? Like just the gear that they use? Do they talk about the recording process and everything?
0: The, yeah. Not, you know, not uh, I pulled... 6 db down at 200 hertz right. type stuff but more <laughs> like you know this we this we like pioneered the use of this abbey road or emi at the what it was called at the time they built almost all of their own stuff it was like you know uh, bespoke for their studio sure. so it was they kind of created the techniques that everybody else started using so it was it was like the dawn of that how they came up with this idea or, or like the nece- the necessity of it or when they f- when i think one of the things that i remember the most is when they talk about the first time they ever close mic would drums because there were very specific rules at emi the drums couldn't the microphones couldn't be closer than like a meter from the drum, or something. It was ridiculous, and then and then they were like, it and it, it created a certain sound. But they wanted that more direct, in-your-face, mm-hmm. modern sound that they were going for. So then they started bringing the drum, the microphones closer, and like getting in trouble for it and doing all that, <laughs> and getting stuff <laughs> like that. But then, you know, of course, now that's just a standard of how everybody yeah? does it to wow. this day. Super, super awesome book. I cool. mean, there were a couple people that recorded the Beatles throughout the years, but Jeff Emmerich is one of the few that was in almost every every session. Like with the stuff that I personally care about the most, not the very earliest, you know, super pop stuff.
3: Didn't Alan Parsons help on uh, Abbey Road?
0: Alan Parsons did. Yeah, yeah, he recorded that shit. He was a young man then. I there, think. which wait, I now I'm I'm blanking. Was Abbey Road the last one they recorded or the last one they released? Because I know it was flipped. Yeah, which one was it? I was hate it, this question. was Let It Be the last yeah. one that came out, but they recorded it before Abbey Let Road. Let It Be became well. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I know. I know that it wasn't like the right order. Anyways, if any any of my friends listening want to borrow it, you can check it out <laughs> here, there, and everywhere. That's what I got. Good shit. Hell yeah, bud. Um, well, we already did. We already got into to band buds, which we're gonna come back to a little bit. I want to talk about some news because there is some news, some gear news, some guitar news, some Chicago news. Um, first, the first one actually is kind of a bummer. Have You guys heard of Chicago Guitar Space? No. No. It's, I believe, in Pilsen. Uh, he's a guitar maker. He hosts, I don't know the guy's name. It's called Chicago Guitar Space, but I think it's one dude. Um, they host, like, pedal-making classes there. Um, anyways, on Saturday, he had, I guess they've got, like, a storefront showroom kind of deal. I've never been in there, but... Um, somebody robbed him and stole 11, his 11 guitars. One of them was a client, like some clients SG and 10 were guitars he had made. Wow. That were for sale. Wow. Well, oh, man! So super huge bummer. I mean, I personally, and I think anybody listening would agree that, you know, there's a, there's a special layer of hell reserved for people who steal musical instruments. Oh no shit, yeah. man. Wow. Um, but so a, I want to bring it up because in case anybody listening just maybe had any knowledge or wanted to share anything about this, there's a, a public Facebook page that you, or a post that you can share. Um, and I think I hope, saw that hope get him back. the
3: guitars he makes—they're pretty unique looking, right? It's going to be pretty hard to sell those things.
0: Right? It, well, some of them, uh, yeah. I I think some of the stuff looks kind of like Fender inspired. The one—it's kind of like a Fender Marauder, you know that? Yeah, almost yeah. like guitar that kind of never really existed. But then it has like a Starcaster headstock sure. on it. But then some of them are kind of cool, where it's like almost like cubist interpretations <clears throat> of guitar shapes. Well, like you'll be like, oh that. Like probably was kind of a maybe like a moss right or um, mm-hmm. like one of those e- weird Eastwood import type shapes, but then it, he like it kind of like blocks off, squares off. off. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's their souls are super cool. I would love. They look like something that. Like Mark Mothersbaugh would have played in Devo or something like that, <laughs>
2: um,
0: but they look super cool. So yeah, you're right. I think that they are the kind of Hopefully, thing that yeah. they should turn up pretty easily. Hopefully, we can get the word get out. out.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. That's really sad. Um,
0: so yeah, that's. I just wanted to say, you know, we're 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 with you. Yep, Chicago yeah. Guitar Space. Absolutely. Um, and he actually offered because uh, it was 11 guitars that were stolen. He said that as long as you, if you return them, you can keep any one you want. Wow! Like if you, you know, if whatever, how, whatever it doesn't matter, not the SG cause it was a client who was working on it. Um, but <laughs> any of like his I'll guitar- take the SG. Yeah, yeah. exactly. any of his guitars, you can keep it, you know, like no, no penalty. Whatever. Yeah. He's like, I think he said 10 guitars is better than zero. Right. Yeah.
3: So, wow. Wow. Hope he gets them back.
0: Um, in a, in a carefully constructed segue, I wanted to talk about someone else who's a dick about guitars. And, and I think <laughs> if I were to write a headline for this one, it would be, um, I wrote it down. Uh Prince is a dick about guitars even after he's dead. Have you guys heard about this?
3: <laughs> no. I just read about it. You man. did? Yeah, Alright. Yeah. So
0: you know the cloud guitar? Like yeah. the Prince Cloud guitar. He played it in fucking Purple Rain. Sure. And then he oh, kind of yeah. like became known for that weird. It look kind of looks like a cloud a little bit guitar. Ooh. Um so the guy who made it is uh this guy named I think his name's Dave Rusin. And I don't know. There's a whole story about how, you know, basically he had made it and then Prince saw it and then he had to make another one and then they had this running relationship. Well, obviously Prince is dead. Now, that guy, he's been making these guitars in the meantime. Like, this is kind of his livelihood. He does other stuff too, but like, he's made these cloud guitars. Definitely made well, his money off these guitars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he created it to begin with. Right. Basically, long story short, he tried to trademark the name Cloud Guitar after Prince died. And the Prince estate has come after him real hard and basically tried to completely limit his usage of that, sue him, not allow him to use the name Cloud Guitar. He's not using Prince's image or anything like that. Wow. Um, So I first heard about this on uh, one of my – actually, we were talking about YouTube channels. Uh, One of my favorite is this guy, The Gatologist. Love him. And he was talking about it. He actually interviewed this Dave Rusin guy. But then I was doing a little internet searching, and this, I guess, goes back to, like, January – um, was when it first started going down. Okay. So um, huge bummer there. So because... Did he have
3: the trademark name before he died?
0: I, I'm pretty sure he yeah, did. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought I read. Is and that then maybe he was like renewing it or something like that, but then the like Prince Estate challenged it. It's, I don't honestly, I don't remember all the details, but yeah. I know that it was essentially around the trademark. And then, of course, you know, the, the design yeah. of it as well.
3: Just give him the name. Come on. What are we doing? He was the
0: one who created it originally. Right. right. Prince. So. Yes, of course, it's famous because of Prince. Like right. everybody agrees about that. But. It's not like he's selling a Prince guitar. He's just selling the same guitar he's always made. And he's been making them for other people throughout the years. Like Prince isn't the only person that owns a cloud guitar. Yeah, like in
3: the movie when he gets the guitar, that's the one he gets, right? Yeah. Yeah, she, she buys it for him or something. Exactly.
0: Well, I honestly, I, I know that I've seen Purple Rain, but I don't remember what it's uh, about at all.
3: Um, but yeah, no, that's so that's the guitar. So obviously the guy didn't just make it for that movie is what I was going to say. You know, he, he'd been making them. It was just yeah. in the
0: movie. Correct. And then yes, because of that, it yeah. became right. what it is today. That's so silly. It's just it's just a bummer. Like this guy's is, this is just one dude. He's not fucking Gibson making a cloud right. guitar. This right. is just one guy making his living. Dave Rusin, we're with you, bud. Yeah, man. How you doing over there, Brian? Doing all right. Good. I'm just uh, listening. Yeah, I know. We're at, we're gonna we're gonna come back to more f- more fun stuff for you. I just feel like we're trying to get some check some boxes here. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. A little bit of gear news for me this week. Um, Made a trade, oh! The Aztec base is no longer in my in my keeps.
3: What'd you trade it for?
0: Well, that that remains to be determined.
3: That doesn't sound like a trade. It sounds like you <laughs> gave it
0: away. Well, kind of. I kind of gave it away. Okay. Uh, so listeners, the show. know I got this really ridiculous base. It was custom handmade. Got a ridiculous deal on it from some kid. It was huge. It was the size of an upright base. Um. Although, actually, now I think about it. So uh, I was hanging out with Stingray. Hello, Stingray. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, I was hanging out with him on, I don't know, someday over this past weekend. We had a couple cocktails, you know, got, got after it a little bit. He used to play the upright bass. And the neck on that thing feels like the neck on an upright base. It's it's a freaking enormous. So he, he said he said it feels the same. Well, so I, I I he put it on. Yeah. And I saw a twinkle in his eye instantly yeah, he was and home. he and he instantly went into the the upright. <laughs> the I'm doing position. the right hand yeah. standard position right now. <laughs> That's great. And I could I was like I just knew at that point i was like he's gonna leave with this and then i just you know i was like you know why don't you just take it and then and then we'll figure something out eventually i mean like so i thought of it uh, i've got this t-shirt on he brought this he brought me this t-shirt oh, from wow. Groons in That's nashville cool. so that shout really out guy. to Groons guitar i'm sure you're listening right now oh, yeah uh, amazing store but um so yeah we haven't really figured it out yet i you know it made sense to me literally this microphone that i'm using right now is his microphone um that he loaned i don't even know many months ago to me um and hasn't he does voiceover work and hasn't had any also um the dude the company works for has multiples of every microphone that's ever existed so like whatever stingray but anyways we haven't figured it out yet i do yeah i understand if he doesn't want to trade this straight up i mean the electronics in that base alone is worth what this thing is so like if you were to like part it out and sell it whatever Mm -hmm. um but you know we'll see he also, I mean, he also constantly is like repairing broken ass guitars and shit. So might come across you know, we'll see. Cool, we'll yeah. see what happens. We, the, the fact is, is if he just wanted it, I would have given it to him. That dude has done so much free work for me over the years just cool. because we're friends that I wouldn't even think nice. twice about cool. you know.
3: Plus, so, Yeah. Plus, it's always nice when you give something to a friend because you can always visit it again.
0: Well, and he's, I mean, the dude's a luthier. I, he, I should say he's a he's a woodworker who's learning Luthery. So, I mean, he, if anybody can make the most of this instrument, he's the guy to Very do cool. it. He already it turns out I, neither of us noticed this. It's a ebony fretboard, and it was there was no inlays. Well, he inspected it, and it turns out there used to be inlays on it. Really? Yeah. Ooh. He found like he said like a thousand four thousandths of an inch thick, basically like embossed what would have been, I think like diamond inlays in it oh somebody like
1: ripped them out and filled it filled them in i don't know i have no
0: idea or maybe like replaying the fretboard and didn't quite get it down i have no idea but um because this thing this this i mean the it was it's kind of this mystery instrument because there's no no branding on it Yeah, i was gonna say custom completely handmade the aztec base i named it the aztec base because it has this like ridiculous laser cut aztec calendar inlaid into the headstock yeah so he and i were talking about it also it turns out he thinks he's gotten to the bottom of this and it turns out that rob trujillo of metallica fame is known for playing these like custom aztec basses and that he he thinks that this was somebody's attempt to basically make their own okay of that because it's the fan fiction version of a bass guitar dude fan fiction basses i love that yes exactly and and in doing so made a 20 pound fucking bass but um I mean it's it's beautifully crafted it's just ridiculous it's a fucking insane bass and i i, I already had i already have his old bass his old p bass and the fucking cali u bass so i don't i don't need a third and the bass, baritone guitar and a baritone guitar yeah. i've kind of got my my bass covered on the low end covered as it were um so i you know the thing is i wanted him to have it if we could yeah. work set work out a deal for it that'd be great i'm already using his microphone as i speak mm-hmm. so whatever yeah, and so actually, maybe he initiated it, the trade. Right? Says it right here. There it is. Uh, That's cool. No, I definitely initiated the trade. I, but I told I was like, you just take that. We'll figure something out. And then, and then I was, and then we were sitting here a little drunk. And I was like, oh wait, your microphone's sitting right there. Why don't we just do that? And he was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. Like, just take it. We'll figure something out. I think it's a and pretty
3: fair trade, but
0: then you know, honestly, That's a v, it could be ve twenty right
1: is RE20. that the re20 mm-hmm. i can never remember the names of numbers and letters for There's microphones too nope. many it's my it's my gear hunks uh
0: achilles heel probably. Ooh. i like that what's your gear hunks achilles heel day? that's
3: up there man like i that's what the sm7 i guess sm7b yeah i have so. a terrible memory
1: for numbers and and yeah Dude, letters I, if, and all if that. anybody
3: listens closely i mix up my 57s and 58s all the time too so. it's
0: the same capsule i mean in yeah. fairness it's just, it's just all it is should is the know grill. they
3: look very different so they
0: but do. yeah i mean i don't even know what one of those runs for uh, the new new the microphone itself is like four Hundies, and yeah. then this uh, mount is another Hundies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is puts it in the same ballpark as the SM Seven you're talking to into yeah. right there. Um, in fact, it, it has uh, led me to. I, I, since having this i've done a lot of comparison and then watched a lot of comparison videos people seem to have cuz these are the two standards in broadcasting right, broadcast mics so mics, yep. i have uh, one of these at home you got that some 7 yep. oh, i mean i love that thing yeah it's good it's I great actually, for
1: demoing in an apart a noisy city apartment dude it's
0: c- good for michael jackson lead vocals oh, yeah, like, right? it's good oh, wow. i was that's what he used wasn't that mic yeah. uh i i was experimenting recently where i li- lined the capsules i posted a picture on the instagram of that with my the uh, 47 clone i have and those things sound freaking awesome together, because that is just like clear and it's it's what you would expect from a broadcast. But then the forty seven has this like warmth and color to it. Man, it's kind of it's it's like my new favorite thing. Cool. So sweet little mic tangent there. Yeah. Um, why are we even talking about that? I don't know. I don't know. Trades. Um, Aztec. Trades sweet gear acquisitions gear acquisitions brian are you a? I know you i know you do some of the keys plan you, you tinkle the ivories from now and again yeah i do i do uh, are you a roads guy
1: i actually i am a roads guy um i do this other project as well that uses a little bit of roads through a bunch of uh, a bunch of guitar pedals no kidding what project yeah. is that so that's um
0: i didn't even know that this was not planned <laughs>
1: surprise uh, gear hunk surprises. Oh yeah. Um, Hashtag. Yeah. So so I do this other um, this monthly like ambient gig at a uh, tack room oh, in Pilsen. Oh, cool. It's called uh, Current Mood. Sweet. And it's typically every second Saturday, um, but I I determined that my favorite way to create sounds for this thing. Basically, we're like filling up the bar. It's like kind mm-hmm. of a smaller all brick like dark kind of vibey bar space right. and um and typically they have you know just like they have piano cover uh you know piano maestros come in and play the uh the piano covers and stuff and uh and i yeah like two or so years ago i decided to be really cool to just like make a bunch of drony noise in there mm-hmm. and uh just you know change up the programming a little bit and uh so i it turns out the piano in that space is is just like an old Yamaha like stage piano, mm-hmm. and it has a pretty good like Rhodes sound on it, which is hilarious. But I determined that the Rhodes sound is like the best sound for this that I'm doing, and I've I have then uh, started using a real a real Rhodes um, not there, but for other things, and yeah, it's so I guess. I'm a huge fan of the Rhodes sound, and I'm also a big fan of just coding it and as many effects as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's the long answer. That's really cool. Do you have Do you have a Rhodes? I do not, actually. Uh, I was going to talking about gear acquisition. I was for a while. I was going to uh, to borrow uh, Brad Sawicki,
0: Shout Dude, out his his Rhodes,
1: on. which has been apparently sitting in his parents' dining room Jeez. for like five years. I now. know.
0: i I was literally. At, We'll get to it. I was thinking about the road, that same roads.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it works.
0: No, it. Well, the last time I played it, it did. It does but, yeah. uh, I don't know. So I I kind of went down a pretty deep roads rabbit hole recently. I used to have a roads. I fucking love them. Yeah. But then I I uh, Reaver posted an amazing article about um. So there was this guy who was kind of like while Fender made roads because obviously it wasn't always made in like the Fender fact or branded as Fender. When the kind of ones that everybody wants were made by in Fender, there was this guy named Buzz Watson. And so, for a long time, if you opened up the top of your roads and you looked at the key bed where all the stuff was, and there was a little badge there, if it had the stamp Buzz Watson or B. Watson, that's the one that you wanted mm. because he was the final, he was their best tech. He would tweak them a certain way. Mm. Then it turns out later on that, so he eventually left Fender and started working for himself and then he would kind of actually like rebuild them. He had a lot of ideas about what he thought should make them better and when they were leaving the factory, they were like all different and he wanted to kind of um, standardize everything and then The you know the, it was under CBS ownership At this time and they're just like "No, nah, dude like these things They're the things that make they made fender The most money at that time so they're like absolutely not We're changing anything we need not changing anything we're Getting these out as fast as we can so He left you didn't really like that Then he started rebuilding them. And like, those are the ones that people really want. And and, like, so what he wound up and ended up doing, and then I guess a lot of Rhodes techs would do this for years, is when you open up the top, you look like there's the main badge on the right. And then on the left, he would tape his business card. And then he would circle on there, like, what, you know, if it was a suitcase, 88, whatever, like, and then what the mods were, he would like circle it on the business card. Oh, that's really cool. So, like, any Rhodes fans out there, anybody looking at Rhodes is, look inside and, and if it says buzz watson or ha- or more importantly has that, that business card dude. On there, that's the one how cool would want. that be to find one of those yeah dude. yeah and i kind of like i had no idea about any of this when i had a roads i have no idea do they estimate they how many
3: how many are in existence
0: probably a lot but thousands, i mean you think? probably thousands yeah. but the, the one of the problems is that so much of it was about the height adjustment um he would like he made custom hammers or like right. in, replace the felts on the hammers uh, and with like a harder plastic. He said that so much of it was about the distance between the pickup and the tine. Wow. Mm. And that created very specific harmonic content. And and so like at this point, anything that had been built or rebuilt or tweaked by him is not going to be in the same alignment that it was right. back then. Right. right. You know, maybe it could get close to, or whatever, but it's still not going to ever be because he died at least ten years ago, or maybe fifteen years ago, or something like that. So, still super cool. And then that kind of led me down this other rabbit hole, which was this whole Rhodes Dino Dino Tone thing, which like um you know that very specific chorus roads sound yeah that mostly so when that, that sound came from originally this Rhodes dino tone which was a, a similar thing like this buzz buzz Watson guy was popular then it was like oh people were like oh we could rebuild these roads and make business out of it so they started popping up across the country the, pop, the most popular one was called Dino tone and, and they added all sorts of stuff like different effects they i mean they changed it almost completely added midi and crazy stuff like that wow um people seem to not really like how the how that tone has aged as much myself included because it's fucking chorusy as hell and then what ended up (laughs) happening was is this thing like michael mcdonald era (laughs) exactly this yamaha dx7 that has a like chorused road sound that became very popular would kind of uh, people speculate that it was directly led to from this dino tone thing Yamaha was like oh we can put that sound in our synthesizer and then right. everybody just started using that and right. it's kind of thin and cheesy and horrible sounding so yeah that's my little my little road spiel but it nice. was super interesting Buzz Watson man I mean he seemed like a, he seemed like the real deal
3: I love those stories man and it's like there's just that gears out there you know yeah. and some yeah. people don't even know
1: right that's, cool. that's great for all we know Brad Sawicki's uh roads that's sitting in his parents Can we house we call his parents could be a buzz a crack, we should call him crack it open. get it on the air uh, <laughs> yeah. folks yeah
0: we'll just send buddha over make him do it there you go now nah, he's got a kid and stuff now nah, maybe even no i think he's just got one anyways what's up buddha uh, there are a couple other news things on here i don't really feel like talking about them right now Kay. i want to get back to brian me too my little brat guy um one thing i wanted to talk about is that i know we t- we happen to have uh similar rigs in some ways especially i remember you also have one of these guys yes i do and these the, guys the being, Mio 10 yeah i you're the only other person i've met who owns one of Likewise. those products. Likewise. and it's amazing it's i actually great. talked about it was that last week maybe i don't know because <clears throat> I, w- I had been using the software i connectivity for or whatever the i connectivity software was that's a company um and it was fucking garbage it was so horrible it turns out that was out of date and now they have a new software oracle Oracle or whatever
1: it's funny because uh right after we talked about that software i went home and i had not i don't even think i had hooked it up yet in my in my rack and i went home and i downloaded the software and i was like whoa this is really cool and super easy to use and i must i was thinking like
0: Henry must be talking about this old one that they won't let you download. Yeah, Yeah, I was. And it was just, I could, oh, I might have uninstalled it. I was going to say I could show you. It was just, it was matrices. Oh, I remember.
1: Yeah. Horrible. I think I remember people talking about
0: that. It was, it was trash. But yeah, now it's literally just checkboxes and it does exactly what I want it to do. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: that's, that's the nice thing is it's like, it's checkboxes send you know, send this input to any of number of outputs, wherever you want it to or go. Or you can turn all that shit off if you would rather do it in your DAW. It's yep. really nice. Um, yeah. It's funny. Yesterday I had, I had the band guys over. Oh, by the way, shout out to Carl and Garrett. If you're, if What's you're up, ever Carl listening, Garrett, they don't, guys? they don't know I'm here. Oh, they're wow. at work. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nice treat for them. Suckers. Yeah. Somebody. Right. So, um, yeah, last night I had them over and we were working on some stuff and, uh, and I was like, I've got, I've got a, um, uh, profit six that i use for nice. my for my midi keyboard um and like world's most expensive yeah MIDI world's most expensive MIDI keyboard right and so i've got that plugged into the the mio 10 and i'm sending that to, out to various other things including you know daw software um and you're an ableton guy too, right? i'm actually a logic guy really i yeah. thought you had a push I do not have a Oh, push. wow.
0: I thought I don't know why I thought you're an Ableton guy. Yeah, I
1: mean, it would be cool, but yeah, yeah I don't know. At some point, I I, I did used to use Ableton, okay. and then I I can't remember what it was. It was something to do with, like, it was something so trivial, like the metering or something like that, where I was just like, I think I'm going to switch over to Logic. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to commit, I'm going to just, like, spend less money and do the
0: Logic yeah. thing. I, that's and, funny. I went the opposite direction. Okay. I went from Logic to Ableton.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah.
0: Which is so, really called live. That's another thing. That's almost like calling it right. a tremolo because Ableton's the name. Of the <laughs> Ableton company. is called live. called live. Right, right. but right. I just I use it every day and I still call it fucking the wrong name. <laughs> I'm an idiot.
1: Yeah. So yeah, they were over last night and we we're. I was like, why the hell is my MIDI not working? And I was like, I was like, something's going wrong. And I was like, oh man, this is this box. And it's was like, fucking thing's not plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you know my my Mac only has like two USB things yep. and I haven't I haven't you know spent the time to like look up. What the best uh, you know extender, extender or, yeah. is or oh, whatever? Oh, it's the one I've got right here. All I right, well we'll have you. to yeah. we'll have to talk about yeah. that later, and uh, or now. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I was just like it's not
0: plugged in. So what's <laughs> the, oh anchor anchor? Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of the actually anchor, have a couple USB of USB 3.0 cool. ones. I did did a lot of research that turned out to be the the nice. best one, and it works swimmingly with the mio mio, mio 10 mio. mio 10 i also i have it also being controlled by the ipad too so i oh, can, nice. I run macbook and ipad to send midi to and from it it's great and it works that's awesome man cool yeah that's tell sweet. me more about so you your live rig i know you're holding down some guitar duties some keyboard stuff yes yeah. what do you what's your rig normally looking like so
1: the as far as keyboards go that's like an easier one to cover probably i'm using a um I'm using a Korg. It's a micro Korg XL plus. Mm-hmm. And this was actually my very first synth. Um, and I bought it mostly cause it was like, I don't know. I think I went to guitar center and like did the guitar center, try and bail where I'm like, Oh, which one feels good. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go buy it somewhere or else. Yeah. The cheapest online. Yeah. Right. Um, and we so call showrooming. Oh, Oh, I like that <laughs> term <laughs> too. I like that. That's nice. Um, yeah so yeah I, I went there and uh and tried one out and it just had a it had a good it kind of felt it's got like these sem- little semi-weighted keys and it felt right. a little bit more like a keyboard something i could play rather than just like the kind of um i i don't know i guess it's like an organ weighted the, mm-hmm. the alternative where it being just like kind of pops an, right yeah there, where yeah. it just like yeah. pops back up yeah. uh so yeah i wanted something a little more bit more keyboard like i knew that people had kind of complained with the micro Korgs about like menu diving and stuff like that. And this XL plus happens to have a, like a software editor. Nice. So you can, you know, USB it in and then play around with that. And that turned out to be a really awesome thing because, um, like sometimes I'll design a patch on the profit or something. And it's like, so I haven't, I would like to be able to play the Prophet live, but I haven't got to the point where, you know, I, I want to drag that thing to every show. <laughs> so that because the microcorgs are just so small, yeah. they're so light, they're they're pieces of plastic, yeah, so right. they're like. So I mean, we could we have like two or three of them that we could replace at any time. Who doesn't? So, you right. Know? <laughs> I know, right? Who doesn't have? I got a two stack th- of microcords. Yeah, yeah. Pluses. XL pluses in the closet. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, I have had a regular micro Korg at one point, but not currently, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that they're like the most ubiquitous popular scent, Yeah, Cause yeah. they're affordable and they they're sound pretty awesome. They're affordable and they
1: sound cool. And I'll say that for a lot of Korg gear. I mean, I, I feel like mm-hmm. they, yeah. that's, that's something that's always been cool about them is they, they do make affordable, just like unique and weird sounding gear. And I think that's kind of been, uh, you know, their thing, but yeah, I mean, the greatest thing is I've noticed that with that with that software, um, you can just so easily I mean it's all digitally emulated waveforms and everything, but like with that software where you can you can pretty much like I can dial up something on the profit and I can pretty closely match it, like almost indiscernibly with the with the microcore wow. software. And so it basically it's like almost like my live tool, you know, and it's it's got um it's got weird stuff on it i i kind of recently discovered it's got all these uh these pcm waveform like hmm. sample sounds on it that you can use and it's, it's got these all these weird voice synth things that uh actually make some appearance on the new record Ooh. which is cool, which is fun like a
0: melotron kind of thing
1: it's um actually just like like these weird oohs and ahs and things and i kind of tied in a little bit of like like Pitch enveloping to them so they cool. kind of like bend out a place and come back in and um, Yeah fun fun little synth uh, you have to dive a little bit sure. But uh, it's, but the software it's really, that just makes it so much. better. Yeah, it yeah, makes it huge. a lot easier And it's and it's instant it's like as soon as you tweak something on on the computer. It's you know It's it's live in the keys. So uh, it's really nice. So that's what I'm using live um, for for keys and then for guitar I have been. Wait, playing. sorry,
0: are, you're, you're not running any effects or anything on the microcord.
1: Uh, no, that actually has built-in effects that are I feel like good enough mm-hmm. for a live instrument. Yeah. Yeah. It does not have reverb, which is <laughs> a little. I know it's wow. so strange. It Doesn't you, you it can't dada, build it in
3: with the patch or anything. You like that? can
1: build in like sort of reverb, like, like a weird delay. yeah a weird delay yeah. thing to give things enough space but um that's yeah, so funny no the reaver. first thing i
0: do anytime i'm like this synth patch sounds cool Reverb. i'm gonna put plate reverb on right. it. right sure that's exactly Like i mean right now yeah that's plate reaver yeah you know? <laughs> i know for, i just hit a key no but you're not gonna be able to hear that oh they the won't podcast. be able to hear it but uh yeah you can
1: uh you can dub it in you know
0: i could yeah exactly yeah, kind
1: of fun. yeah i mean it, immediately it's like you know, I'll pull the first thing I pull up is like Valhalla vintage verb or Ooh, like yeah. or, uh, you know, the sound toys. Little plate is really great, too. Um, oh,
0: their their Echo Boy is on everything I do. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually had a joke for this record. We wanted to we wanted to thank uh, Little Alter Boy in the liner notes because.
0: The last song I mixed for you has yeah. little Alterboy on so, it. Oh wow! Yep. I mean, didn't, it's I can't like, even tell you. It, it like it basically like adds harmonies and stuff to voices, or you can like change the pitch around. Sure, and do sure. Cool yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, the formant shifting yeah. is so strange. Or like we like, uh, you know, pitching audio up an octave and then pitching it back down an octave really? with Alterboy and just getting these really strange artifacts and just weirding things
0: up. And... Oh, there's something about the fifths that that thing that oh, yeah. that plugin does that just sounds. So Perfect. good yeah. every time. It's yeah, like unbelievable. There's
1: a chorus or two that uses some. of oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. So uh,
0: back to back to guitar. Yeah. So back to
1: guitar. Um, so live, I.
0: We mentioned the ASAT.
1: Yeah, I have the ASAT. Um, and then that's going into a Rivera uh Kiana studio. It's a 112. I think it's 55 watts. Um, and that's six L sixes
0: and uh paul rivera post fender started his own company called rivera yeah that's so they're kind of like generally in the hot rotted fender Mm -hmm. sound world yeah
1: so i've played i've actually played that thing for probably oh man 15 years maybe that's amazing yeah so i i saved up for that thing um and and bought it bought it when i was a young lad and uh and i it's it's the only amp I've ever owned since that's pretty cool, much. Man. Um
0: No backup nothing. Cuz I have a Tube amp, you know, that's Well, uh, that's yeah. a little
1: I've got I do have a uh I have a solid state uh Fender amp. Uh the I think it's the I don't even remember something 90, I don't know. It's got yeah. a number in it. I can't remember <laughs> a numbers. Fender with a number Yeah, and letters, <laughs> yeah. And letters and numbers. Right. So, um it's got yeah, it's I've got one of those um I actually recently had an amp made by this guy in Chicago uh called um a studious huh. And uh it's it's a 115. I wanted cool. to kind of like do some weird some weird stuff and What's this...
0: the tube setup? Uh I'm g- I just assume. I actually
1: app. I think it's I think it's EL34s, but I I don't know yeah. actually. I like really don't know what's in it. Um it's got a. I do know it's got a Weber one one by fifteen speaker in it. Um, and I had this amp made. I actually don't play it as often as I should. Um, but What's
0: a, does it? Can you compare it to anything? Uh, I guess you're not the I huge amp know. guy, so yeah. maybe you know, the fifteen really not would be hard to compare it to. Well, I, I mean, the old. Like, <laughs> uh, was what gonna... was it? The uh, what Fender? There was a one. Shit. I have no idea. The I basement, can't... the first basement was a oh, that's right. Yeah, or the, or there was a one fifteen or four ten. Right. So the Fender's been making one fifteen for a long time. It's kind
1: of what it reminds me of. It's yeah. got this just like super clean, crystal clean, like dead sound. Okay. Which is it's is cool. um, kind of cool. What kind
0: of inspired you to yeah have an amp creative
1: Actually, uh, Carl. Uh, What's up, Carl? are mem- listening, yeah. Carl. Shout out, buddy. <laughs> Carl Hauk another member. Of uh, of Sun Jacket, he was in the market for an amp, and he found um, he found Studious, and um, apparently, well, I know the. Probably one of the biggest proponents of and, and users of studious amps is nels klein oh no kidding Because yeah.
0: he has a or had a signature schrader amp okay for a long time yeah he uses cool.
1: studious amps as does i think um i believe jeff parker are you familiar no with jeff kidding. parker he's the, the guitarist from tortoise uh, tortoise right i was gonna say turtle uh, turtle <laughs> <laughs> uh he i believe he uses one too um and and they're cool and um yeah carl's carl sounds his is a 112 i think it's maybe like 20 watts or something um and yeah he actually uses carl uses his live cool uh, and it sounds he's it sounds really great um me i i i kind of use mine at home just for fun and and it's and it's it's really nice
0: oh yeah yeah sometimes you gotta i mean yeah. even if it just reaffirms your love for the thing you have already then maybe that's what it was there for right right it's like i still love my reverse. yeah it,
1: it It. admittedly it's a little and this is this is nothing uh with regards to the quality of the amp but amid, admittedly it's kind of like the, the the like family member i don't know as well we haven't yeah. really gotten as close sure. yet because i've been you know i've had my other amp for for so long, and I know the ins and outs of it. I know every mm. sound it makes. It's kind know, of part of your how it, part of your sound. Yeah. You for, know. Oh, it absolutely yeah. is. And and this one is kind of like the amp I sometimes play bass through and stuff. Right. like Right. But it sounds <laughs> so, great for bass. Yeah, actually. it sounds really good for bass. Well, the yeah. 150 on the yeah. bass is it just helps. a wonderful boom, thing. Boom. Right. right. Boom boom.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dude, speaking of bass, you know something occurred to me earlier. Um, you guys, you two have something in common. What's is that? that right? Do you know what that is? Do either of you know what that is? We've both played with. VMI. You both played Volcanoes base and, and islands. Islands. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, shout
3: out, Brad! Once again, yeah, <laughs> yep. he sneaks into yeah. every
0: episode. Exactly. Somehow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you were in at the at the very I guess it would be the end. I don't know what you want to call it, but for the No,
0: Todd was at the end. Oh, Todd we, was we had a lot of bass players in fairness in that band. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. yeah, you I think it was it was fairly I think it was I think it was much more brief with you and the band than with you and the I band. I I, and then by a, those two people I pointed at being Brian first then Dave <laughs> You th-
1: and then you. Yeah. I think I was in for about a year. I maybe? didn't get to play really? the Metro. Yeah. yeah. All yeah.
0: Well, no, Todd, he wasn't in Volcano oh, that time. Okay. That was Sunjacket playing say. Metro. Yeah. Yeah, you were in way early on. We played Beat Kitchen
1: and some weird street
0: festival, I think, in the South. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That was like, there were big bands playing and nobody was there.
1: Oh, it was Cracker. Wow.
0: Cracker. Was headlining. Nobody yeah. came to see Cracker. Nobody was fucking there. Maybe by that time. Oh. I mean, we were pretty fairly early in the day, but literally it was just empty. like our wives are now ex-wives. Yeah. And uh, my friend Rich. The guy making cotton candy. And I think and I think that was it. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But it was this like giant fest thing. It was wow. so weird. Yeah. You played. uh We're just going to keep sa- talking about them. Uh You played uh, Brad's jazz bass in that band.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't own that was bass a at bass. the time. Yeah. That, yeah. Was a,
0: that was a great bass. I mean, I don't really have much to say. I guess maybe you guys can just like to share war stories if you got them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, Those were
1: blurry. You know, I Those don't... were hazy days. I got yeah. kicked out of Volcanoes, Make Island. Did you? Yeah. I was... On Gchat.
3: Aw. By whom? <laughs> By Brad. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't remember how I like stopped playing with you guys. Uh, I don't either. remember if I'd quit or we were just kind of like agreed like,
0: eh, it's just. Well, I, I seem to recall that with you, it was always kind of like. You're busy and, I was and you're doing it. So, but, like, yeah. it was always the understandings that like we were going to get a bass player. I think
3: I was just like, like filling you kind of got us off the I think ground. I might have been fill in filling as well. in. Yeah. And then it was. There was the, a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> but then you got fired and you're like, yeah, Yo, I got to well, in the band. Well, yeah, I
1: guess it was sort of, I was sort of like, you know, I have been whining about making time for this. So maybe it's. Yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe it's for the I, best. You know,
0: I, I do remember sort of that. And I think it was more just like. You, I mean, obviously you're a super talented dude. You like, you're not like a bassist by trade, and and no. and you were good at it for sure. But like, I think the thing is, we kind of wanted like a person who's just a bass player is yeah. playing yeah. bass or oh, whatever. Yeah. You know,
3: you had to spread your wings too. Yeah, you spread
1: know? my wings a little bit. Yeah, that's right. But
0: those, those were fun times. Actually, I remember one show we played with you, Brian, was the weirdest lineup we had because we also had Rob Jensen on drums from yeah. my old band, Probably Vampires, and Dan Smart on keyboards. Yeah. Oh wow, that was at
1: Bee Kitchen, I think.
0: And the and the that fest, I remember oh, only because yeah. there are, are photos. That's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, that I you know it's weird how many lineups that band wound up having. Yeah. Those. I mean, I think oh, my parents so came.
1: Around. I think they bought T-shirts. Oh,
0: <laughs> dude, that's right. Yeah. Oh my god, I I don't even, I probably don't even have those T-shirts. I found right mine. I you just, do? Yeah, Which one do you have,
3: have? It's the uh, the beige one with the island on it. I don't yeah, have, yeah, that. Yeah. I do awesome. have that. I do not have actually. One. It's an awesome design, man. Maybe I'll wear it next time and we can take a photo. Dude,
0: if you fit, man. Oh yeah it, it yeah, it was a large. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't gained that much weight since then. I I mean I have, so yeah. that's, that's all I'm saying, you know, like I don't fit in that shit anymore. That's yeah, Um so yeah. You know, speaking of bread, I think that was how you and I first met because It probably was. we played with your old band.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, butterfly, butterfly assassins. assassins. Yeah. Oh, um, that's right. You were in butterfly. Carl, assassins. Uh, or sorry, um, Brad filled in on bass for my band, so oh. I, I probably. But that was just one show, so I I returned the favor, but for for many
0: shows. I think we played double door together, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, we did. I, I mean, think I was we, playing with butter when we played with butterfly, and assassins. I think
3: Blaine played too that night. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. we I, we have the poster. The only reason I remember these yeah. shows. So we had all these posters, and there's so many of them. Is there a poster
0: in. from that one? Yeah. Ooh, I got yeah. see that. I'll, I'll take a, sh- a
3: photo of it next time. Take I'm a cool. sh- photo. Take a sh- <laughs> uh, I'll never nice. forget, the, actually, the guy, the bass player who was in Butterfly Assassins. Yeah. He had a, I almost said Butterflies Make Islands. Um, <laughs> he had a, Much better name <laughs> they yeah, don't a good, than, than either, either of the names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember he gigged out. He would play a, like a 65 jazz bass. He had a really beautiful bass. And I was bass, always like, yeah. that's such cool bass. And he's like, it's a 1960. And I was just like, you're just playing that at, like, a show, like, no big
0: deal. You play 62s. I know, but it's just... Those are more desirable. I know, but
3: it's just one of those things.
0: You know? Yeah, just one of those things. Not that, a lot that of
3: people was fuck. Do that. He was just trying to humble brag. We used, to,
1: we used to joke because uh, yeah. <laughs> we would bring our guitars over. This was when we li- we were in high school. We lived down we lived out in the suburbs, and we used to train in to take our guitars to uh, Third Coast uh, yeah. in the West Loop, and I remember, like, we'd always want to know, like, you know, what do they think of our guitars? And... I you know I'd I'd bring my A in he'd bring his uh, his jazz bass in and I remember they'd never write anything on my card but then one time he got a nice bass oh comment. yeah it was, it was just like <laughs> I got All that right, once in yeah. Yeah. yeah well no so the, <laughs> we I got that once in story. my
0: jazzmaster case that yeah. happened and on but, the so my Martin um I've told this story on the podcast before but basically I that's a very rare guitar They're, they made less than two thousand of them and. I they they basically told me there are multiple people here that if you ever want to sell this guitar, we will buy it. Yeah. So that made me feel super cool because it's like th- they're the only they're the only authorized vintage Martin repair shop in Chicago. Oh, okay. so they see they know the real the shit. shit. Yeah, you know? for sure. And the fact that they were like fawning over my guitar, even as a fucking 30 year old, I was like, <laughs> oh <my> God, they <laughs> like
2: me yeah.
1: They do a great job. Yeah.
0: There is one more thing I want to talk about. We're going a little long. Whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm going to edit this thing anyway. Um, so I read this article recently, or it wasn't? I guess it was a thread on the gear page, and I, I thought that it might it might be worth discussing yeah. some hunks. Yeah. Essentially, obviously, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But what it comes down to is the ethics of buying gear used versus new. Hmm. This whole idea of... You know, obviously, the first thing in reduce, reuse, recycle is reduce. So right. don't don't make new stuff and then use the stuff that's already there. Yep. So how do you guys feel about? Is that something that would ever come into your mind when you're buying gear? Or I guess another way to think about it would be the flip side. How do you feel about buying new gear? Do you ever feel guilt or or um, bad about buying new gear? That you know, obviously, the creation of this stuff is hugely de- detrimental to our yeah, planet and absolutely. all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think about that a lot, definitely in terms of, like, mo- I'd say more in terms of, like, the packaging than the gear itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, just, yeah, like, man. how yeah. much shit you, you, you know, everything is wrapped in something and, the, you, the and plastic you pull like all the foam. plastic off and, yeah. you, you know, it's, like, yeah, the styrofoam and everything. And it's just, like, you know, sometimes I'll unbox, like, one single thing and be, like, look at all this garbage that's created (laughs) as the result of, you know, just this one piece of gear I'm buying. And yeah, so, and definitely in terms of that, I've, I've thought about it. Mm I, I am, I will say i more often buy new gear, mostly because I'm worried that like, something's gonna break with the used gear and then there's like no support system for that like yeah. i'll just be fucked sure like that's totally so fair. that's that's the thing for me is it's like there's no warranty with mm-hmm. used gear it's kind of like get what you get yeah you get what you get and and i'm not very good at fixing things so if i think if, if you if need, I, something fixed, <laughs> yeah, I need something fixed right. no. cool. Guy. all right i know where to go now but, well, and
0: I think part of it too is is sort of the thrust of your gear hunkiness. Your, your, the other thing you brought over, which we haven't really talked about at all, is uh, a modular synth. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, you could, I guess, try to piece together an old Moog modular, but that's going to put you back a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. If you want to be into modular synthesis right now, you've pretty much got to buy new stuff. I mean, you can get some like your yeah. rack used shit or whatever if you want to.
1: So, and also there's there's a. I haven't really partaken in this, but I know that on some of the like EuroRack sites, there's um, there's like a lot of trading going on because mm, it totally. seems like a lot of the different types of modules will sort of around the same value and do slightly different things and if you buy one and you're like i don't really know if i like this mm-hmm. but then there's another guy someone who wants I... to try yours yeah. it's yeah. like you know i think there's a lot of a lot of trading that goes on which is which is cool but
0: i love
3: that yeah oh, I love it's that. it's
1: really cool but i don't know it's funny too because yeah this is a really great question because at the same time then um it's like i think the the euro rack stuff is kind of in this really like you know nascent place right now or like it's like so many new boutique company i mean just same with pedals like a lot of you know there weren't as many boutique pedals no uh, you know 10 years even five years ago there are years. now yeah. so yeah it's funny because at the same time it's like if people aren't buying those new pedals from the companies it's like can they continue to support themselves and so it's a really good point yeah Mm -hmm. so they can't it's right and then then
0: further r&d and creativity won't build up and and create new stuff for us to use we're just going to be stuck with the old pedals if all we buy is the old pedals Mm -hmm. right wow i actually hadn't considered it from that angle yet yeah because like you know how many old tube screamers do we need right you know
3: right well, and that's that's an interesting point too because I I read the thread or I uh, some of it it yeah. was like eleven pages. Yeah, long. there was a lot. And he was also talking about just
0: consuming in general. How, do yeah, I need right, to exactly. buy?
3: But do you need to buy? What was he saying? Seven guitars a year or something like he that? He was
0: so he what basically had happened is this guy, like many of us, he'd probably started making money for the first time in his life and started buying a ton of shit. As like and a, he realized in one gear he had one year he had bought like seven guitars, multiple amps, all this kind of shit. Yeah, and kind of almost
3: hoarding it too. I think. Yeah. Like not not trading it, not selling it. Um, and and you were kind of talking about that earlier before we started the cast. I think you were saying you are you are you minimizing your collection now, or, or is it growing because of um, seeing so all this advertising and stuff?
1: It's funny. Um, I feel like my my. Well, my synthesizer collection has definitely grown.
0: Well, um, anybody who gets into Eurorack, it's that's, well, that's right. It. It's just part of
1: part of it. <laughs> it's <laughs> unavoidable. Awesome. Um, but I mean, and and but like keyboard synthesizer. Let me just too. take a,
0: a quick second. Anybody who doesn't know much about Eurorack, essentially, what it allows you to do is create your own synthesizer that nobody else in the world has. Wow. And so, all the different components: oscillators, LFOs, filters, sequencers, you name it. All equalizers, delays, anything you want to put in there. You can put it in there and you basically buy these like powered boxes. Right. And then you can patch it up however you want. So it's a physical thing. It's it's a physical thing. It's
1: It's almost like the pedal board version of a synthesizer in a way. Yeah, totally.
0: And and so on the one hand, it allows you to create something completely unique that nobody else has ever had. It's also pretty easy to buy a bunch of modules that you think you want and then like he's talking about like brian was talking about with the trading sites like probably doesn't maybe do exactly what you want it to do once yep. you have it in your system you can't watch a youtube video on someone else on someone else's right. rig because it's going to be different than yours yeah, so yeah. that's kind of part of the whole
1: surprisingly thing. there are um a good amount of uh people who kind of use like they'll they'll do gear demos for modules with like you know kind of known conventions of like Everybody knows what a sine wave sounds, right? Yeah, or it's like so. It's like here I'm going to right. So it's like here I'm going to here's like a wave folder module, and this is what it sounds like when you feed a sine wave into it. Or like, yeah. Yeah. So, um,
0: real quick, that reminded me of a little side thing. So I I used to work for GearWire.com. We made these videos, and I remember one in particular. The argument was so the, the guy was demoing. He, and he got slammed super hard on mm. the internet. And he was demoing. He was doing a demo of monitors, like, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, speakers. Right. And his, And what he did was, and I still think this is the dumbest thing ever, but his argument, he basically, he mic'd them up. He mic'd up the studio monitors so you could hear it on this video. Right. Yeah. Using a 57. Oh. <laughs> and his thing was like, well, everyone knows what a 57 sounds like already, which maybe is true. But it's probably way. the last microphone you right. ever want to yeah, use to right. represent a full range of right. audio. Yeah. So That's his thought so was funny. like, "Oh, everyone knows what this sounds like," but then he just got absolutely slammed. People know for what it. a
1: voice sounds like, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, you know, like a snare drum or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah, wow. you're not gonna
0: put a snare drum in front of the monitor. So right. that was just I, that <laughs> just triggered really something in my head that like how that kind of thinking while well, totally makes sense for for your scenario could also totally backfire right yeah. in your face if you try to put 57 <laughs> in front of a fucking Mackie HRE24, and then it gets right. out to like a hundred people yeah
1: all oh, right yeah. right yeah so I mean right so before we before we started yeah, we were kind of talking about the the whole like you know um gear Renaissance I feel like it's going on right now because of like YouTube and Instagram, Instagram and sure. like
0: synth influencers uh, oh, like that. I uh,
1: that and all that and so um do wait,
0: real quick do you watch look mom no computer yeah, yeah, oh, I've seen man, his videos. I love that dude. Cool. I, I, he's a total synth fluencer. He's awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, he, there's an example of a guy who's like not buying shit. He makes he all just of makes his every- own wow. shit.
0: I just watched a video where he made a full polyphonic modular synthesizer out of Game Boys. That's oh, wow. awesome. And and all the oscillators, because Game Boys have synthesizers built right. into them, those sit, sitting right next to you right now yeah. have synthesis engines in there. And so he basically wrote all this custom software and then built all this hardware so that he had. Each one has, I think, technically four oscillators, but only three of them are sound, one's just noise. And then he, so he had it so he could play polyphony with all 32 Game Boys. And it was amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. I saw a video where he made like, he made
1: a single synth with like a hundred oscillators or something. (laughs) (laughs) It was fucking insane. (laughs) yeah i mean the yeah. thing sounds like it's sound it's like if the
0: apocalypse had a noise yeah i feel like that's what
1: it would sound Absolutely. like the are there any sound.
0: other uh synth fluencers that you like uh let's see
1: i'm trying to think um there are a lot of them
0: i mean like reverb does a lot of awesome yeah videos. they do They do
1: some good videos i, li- I
0: really like um like computer music.com and then they're also they're part of um synthopia mm-hmm. that's, that's another or no they're not part of synthopia but that's how i found out there, there are a few of those sites that i follow for sure and then that's like oh i need to get the new oh speaking of korg they've got a new um diy you know they're like Vol- oh i saw volca that series i just watched a dave you know those little mm-hmm. volca korg synths? Yeah. they have a new diy essentially modular okay. mini volca synth that they just announced and yeah. it's like 100 bucks or something like that i'm Definitely gonna get one of yeah. those. Yeah. So
1: yeah, so I just watched a video there's so there is this guy named Loop Op, which is he's he does a lot of really mm-hmm. nice uh demo videos for things. Just very like he's very very well spoken, and he, you know, divide. He has like his table of contents kind of thing. Like oh, I've seen that. The, yes, All exactly. to the left side of the screen, yes. and oh. then you know, like exactly what you're getting what into you in the right. video. And twelve forty-seven. Oh, I here's love Here's where about, we talk about the filter section. component yeah. Of, yeah so it's really useful for. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about about like YouTube and buying new gear too. Is it's like you can, you can essentially have like watched six hours of videos and you know read the manual for a piece of gear before you've even you know bought it yeah
0: yeah which is amazing I, i guess that could probably be some sort of option paralysis when it comes down to it but it can be i i you know i probably would have bought things differently when i was at least a beginner had I had access to gear demos. You probably weeded out there. more of
3: the things you didn't want about something. Yeah. Nowadays. You know? Nowadays, exactly. Yeah. I remember buying so many things, like just a pedal, like a Digitech pedal. Never heard a demo of it before YouTube or no. whatever. And then just being like, I don't really want this, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff.
0: What do you think, Dave? I feel like you haven't had a chance to get in on the used, uh, used new sitch here.
3: Um, use new, yeah. I mean, well, obviously guitars. I think used guitars are just more interesting anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never, I've never desired like a brand new anything. I mean, I'm sure, I guess if somebody, you know, if Fender Custom Shop was like, we want to give you something, any, you know, design it yourself. You're like, whatever. no, like, it's no, not old. It's not a vintage. No, <laughs> no yeah. I
0: have real ones. I do
3: like, um, you know what I like? Some of the builders out there, I think this goes back to the pedal talk a little bit. Guys who are building guitars from scratch or from parts, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think that stuff's really cool. Yeah. So like, I think on the new spectrum, it would have to be something really, really unique you know, I don't think I would just go out and buy like a, you know, new strat. It mm-hmm. would have right. to be something that somebody made or, you know, somebody put together the parts themselves and wired it up. And
2: you know, yeah.
0: that'd be,
3: that'd be really cool.
0: That would be cool. Yeah. That's
3: gotta be hard nowadays though, man, to be a builder. Cause there's so many people out doing that. You know, it really, um, that's you gotta be damn the good. interesting
0: thing though. And so I'm sure if you, you guys have at least seen or heard that there was this world's largest pedal board, uh, I just, that just came that. out, Rob yeah. Scallon who's from Chicago actually mm-hmm. made it with, with help from Sweetwater who was over in Indiana. And, um, why did I why did I bring that up? What were we just talking about?
3: Just custom builders and oh right product.
0: right right yeah sorry. Yeah. So the reason I brought it up is because they had um like Robert Keeley, Josh Scott from GHS Pedals, uh, Brian Wampler from Wampler Pedals. The actual dudes who make some of the they're some of the biggest boutique builders in the world were actually there at this thing. And it just reminded me that there, there's this huge amount of cr- camaraderie in the pedal building world. That's cool. It's not like other industries where they're not hiding secrets. You're time. hiding secrets. You know, of course, you know, your next product that you're excited about, like Empress probably wasn't telling everyone about the Zoya while they're developing right. it. But what turns out is that oftentimes, because these guys have all been there, they'll, you know, Guys and gals, I should say, uh, they'll call each other and be like, "Hey, I'm having trouble with this particular section of the circuit schematic," and then they'll be like, "Oh, I've done that before, blah, blah blah." So they all really help each other a lot. There's no, yeah, you know, backstabbing because when it comes down to it, their pedals and all gear really, you can only play one guitar at a time, but your pedal board can have. 314 pedals or whatever they had in the world's largest pedal board they're complementary products so yeah you like it makes sense that you would want them to kind of work well together and that sure. this rising tide raises yeah. all ships yeah, don't, kind of thing I don't
3: think there's a lot of people that just have like one pedal board of like all GHS or something
0: right you, know? you don't ever see unless the dude who you know Sponsored bought all the boss pedals in the 90s yeah. that fits in, the, in like the hard <laughs> plastic those boss are, cool, actually. Yeah. are they yeah, I think they're, so. cool? yeah they're cool yeah I would I would like it if I had only just like weird old boss pedals but I don't want like a D one and a fucking, yeah. you know, whatever. Just like their like shitty compressor. Not the good one. On I love there. that. It
3: folds up like a briefcase.
1: It folds
0: up like, like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost like their version of the Gibson chainsaw case.
1: Yes. Or that weird, uh, meme. Uh, photo that's got like four metals or it's got like a it's like a TU tuner and then four metal zones oh, yeah. after. <laughs> <it>.
0: <laughs> Dan Liu and I have talked about trying to do that at least a few times. So, yeah. shout out to our good How many Dan. combined
3: metal zones do you guys have? Today? I, I dude, I'm done. I, I have
0: none. I used to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used, I used to have a metal zone. Of course I did, yeah. but um at one and when I when I became my my early like my first memory of being a gear snob, um I decided at one point that like this was about 15 years ago maybe and i decided that i needed to have a true bypass pedal board and i was learning like boss pedals have buffers so i actually made a deal where i traded every boss pedal i had at the time which was like five or six for something else i don't even remember right. what it was i, I could look um, but i got rid i had a metal zone i had the boss eq which actually that thing sounds awesome i wish i still had it um like a dd6 um man i can't even remember which other ones blues I had. driver I've never owned a blues driver. (laughs) I should. These are uh, classic.
1: The only boss pedal that I think is still on... I think my very first pedal was a DS-1 um, because it was just like, you got to have distortion. And they're a guitar player. They're $30. I'm in eighth grade and have no money. But yeah, I think the only boss pedal that that I still have on my board that I I may... I don't know. I may never get rid of it uh, is the uh, Tremolo. Oh, yeah, Yeah. dude. Those are Um, awesome. It
0: sounds good. It sounds really good. It's just
1: got... Like my only beef with it is maybe it it pulls a little volume out of your signal. It does. But, well, some people but,
0: will actually run it in a loop with like a little boost, uh-huh. so that you can yeah. get the gain back up.
1: But the, I mean, it's just a very musical sounding tremolo, mm-hmm. and I feel like every tremolo I've tried has been like really just I don't know. I can't play along to it, and I just love the way that that one sounds. So yeah. I'll probably keep it for part all of all yeah. your sound and again. Yeah, right.
0: Know. That's right. And yeah. now you've got a, you've always got a buffer in your signal path. Yeah, so then you can <laughs> uh, you can <laughs> yeah. run those long cables exactly <laughs> wow well i feel like that might be the best place to end Here right we go. there i feel like we covered it we oh we covered we got it all we covered way more than i could have ever hoped to all right sweet go bears
2: go bears go bears